If you have your Bibles, we're in First um, Corinthians chapter six, and I'm in a series called a Jack of All Trades. If you can master particular areas of your life, life will go well for you. And I don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. I actually want to win and succeed in certain areas of life. Now, I want to just read from the text. I'm in 1 Corinthians 6. I want to read verse 19 and 20, and then we're going to pray. Here's what Paul wrote. He said, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just thank you for your word. And I want to just take a moment and just wait on you. Father, I pray for your presence to be here so we could hear the word and receive it. I thank you, Lord, for strengthening us and picking up feeble knees. I thank you, Lord, for resurrections in our lives, things coming back to life. And I just pray, Lord, for the word of the Lord today to manifest in, with fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen and amen. You know, growing up, my mother was a health nut. You ever had a mom like that? Mom was like, you know, always trying to get us to eat something healthy. And, um, she, you know, I remember one time she made like broccoli pie. And I was like, what, you know... <laughs> salads and healthy foods. And my mother is still pretty much the same today. Uh, that's the reason why she's healthy, you know. So uh, on Thanksgiving, I've discovered you can cook turkeys in peanut oil. And it makes it, you know, kind of crispy on the outside. It keeps it moist inside. I really like it. I made some, you know, for the family and they thought it was great. And maybe a few, just a couple of days ago, last week, my mom called me. She said, you know, uh, peanut oil and they say it's, it's bad for you and can hurt, hurt your veins and make them hard. And <laughs> I was like, well, Mom, I, I have peanut oil and a turkey once a year, so I think we'll be all right. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when we read the verse here, he's talking about your body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. How many of you heard that verse before? I mean, that's a very familiar verse. But I, I'm, I'm in this series, and, and what I'm doing is just highlighting areas of your life. So today I want to talk about your physical well-being, and I'm going to give you some phrases for your physical well-being. Now, in verse 12, back up in this same chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 12, he said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I, I like quoting from the um, King James versions of the Bible, the New King James, I like reading. Um, but in the net translation, when it puts this verse up here, it actually has some, per, uh, uh, not parentheses, but um, what are those things? Quotations, thank you, quotations. Uh, uh, when it says, all things are lawful for me, because what that was, was a slogan. That was a phrase that the Corinthian church were, were saying. They would just say, ah, all things are lawful for me. And Paul is highlighting that. It's sort of a linguistic idiom. It's, it's a method of the way they would talk, and it's a catchphrase. So what I want to highlight here are the phrases for your physical well-being. You know, in context, what uh, Paul is talking about is your body. He's, he's highlighting, you know, this body of flesh that we deal with. That's what the passage is about, the physical body. Uh, we read last week, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, 
that uh, mankind is made in the image of God. You have a spirit, a soul, and a body. We're triune in nature. And if you can learn how to navigate through your body and, and, and through your spirit and, and master the areas of your thought life and your soul, it will go well with you. And that's what we're kicking off at the beginning of the year. You want to master a spiritual life? It's as simple as mastering daily devotions in your time with God. I have yet to meet anybody who's ever maintained personal devotions and backslidden. If you can keep the devotional life going with God, you'll, you'll hear from Him, you'll walk with Him, you have more of Jesus in your life. And we talked last week about the thought life. Because, you know, that, that thought life is where you learn how to process pain. Uh, it's, it's how you can perceive truth in the spiritual battle you're at. And if you can do that, man, you, you, you can really get ahead, make good decisions, have good relationships. Now, today I'm going to talk about probably the most neglected area, which has to do with the body. You know, I, I've sat through a lot of sermons about your spiritual growth and development. I've heard people preach on your thought life, but when we talk about the body, I don't know I've heard a lot of sermons about it. And part of that's because in a, the American culture, uh, sometimes people get kind of unnerved by it. Uh, because, you know, in this culture, we, we've got, you know, p- people who maybe struggle with obesity. And, and, and so it's one of those things that it's like people don't want to address. They don't want to talk about how you take care of a physical body. And we're triune creatures, spirit, soul, and body. And they all work together in, in harmony. And sometimes, man, this is so interconnected. We are such interconnected beings. That, that's why your emotions and your mind can trigger how you feel and, and your mood, and, and so you don't do things, and they all work together. And, and so it can be hard to differentiate and discern, but today I want to specifically highlight this area of life, the body. Um, let's read here verse number 12 again. He said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but he said, I'm not going to be brought under the power of any. Food for the stomach and the stomach for foods. And he said, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, the first phrase that I want to highlight here is this. This is a statement I would make, that I will submit my appetites. I'm going to submit my appetites. Two specific areas that he's addressing here, which has to do with food, and it has also to do with the sexual impulse that people have. And both of these are God-given and natural, but both of them, if left unchecked, can become a driving force in your life. And when Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5 about the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, you know, the last fruit he mentioned was the fruit of self-control, which I think is the most important fruit, but I also think it's probably the most overlooked fruit in people's life. Like, like if you're really walking with God and His work is taking place in your life, self-control is evident and it starts to work its way out in your life. I mean, you need self-control. Uh, now, I'm happy I saved this message for after Christmas. Because, you know, um, I was laughing. I had this lady made me some cookies. They're the best cookies I ever had, made with little marshmallow cherries in them. And, um, man, I was like, uh, when I had them, I was so happy to have them. I started stuffing my face full of them, and I realized my wife was not there. She was out doing something, and I thought, I don't want to share none of these cookies with her. So I figured I'd eat them all before she got home. I'm scarfing them down, and then I started choking because I was being gluttonous, 
And I thought, how sad would it be if I had, my wife came home and found me dead because I was eating cookies I wouldn't share with her. I thought she'd probably be more upset about the cookies I didn't share than me being dead. So and listen, this is stuff that happens to everybody. I'm going to submit my appetite. Now, flip over one page. I'll come right back to chapter 6. Chapter 9, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. Watch what Paul said here. He said, I, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, he's talking here about self-control. He's talking about maintaining things. And I want to first of all address the food area of life. I I try to control what I eat. I I make choices. And there's an interesting verse in the book of Philippians chapter 3 in which he described uh, people who, it's like they have... God as their belly, whose God is their belly. That's a phrase of the Bible. It means there's some people that have no self-control when it comes to maintaining an appetite. It, it just runs wild with people. You know, Daniel is a great example of someone who had self-control. You remember, he would not eat the king's delicacies, Daniel chapter 1. He wouldn't eat what was set before him. He was disciplined in his body, and it got him promoted. So when we say, I control what I eat, that means I also try to eat in moderation. I mean, this is something that I've really, really gotten better at. And I learned it by having smaller portions. So if I'm going to go over to five guys, instead of getting the double patty burger, now I get the single patty burger. And when I go to Red Robin, I get the petite burger rather than the big bonsai burger that I love to eat. But I have found that I'm so much better if I simply eat less portions. We switched over to drinking smaller sodas because we're getting old and more responsible than we were in our younger days. Yeah. Uh, so self-control, moderation in what I eat. And, you know, I also have rules about when I eat. And I laugh about it because it feels like we're getting old, Elizabeth and I. Yeah. One of my rules is I always eat a donut, or excuse me. <laughs> I eat an apple at 10. The reason I do that is because I eat the donut with my coffee and the apple makes up for the donut. <laughs> So we have an apple at 10. We have a donut at about 8. We have an apple at 10. But what we try to do is eat as much as we can for breakfast. Big breakfasts, smaller lunches, and small dinners. Eat like a king for breakfast, a prince for lunch, a pauper for dinner. I've been doing that. I feel like, man, by 4 o'clock, I don't even want to eat after 4. I mean, it's a funny thing. People think I'm old. I feel so much better by portion control. And when I eat, and now I've got Elizabeth roped into the same thing with me. And it's, it's really just been an incredible thing. See, you got to understand about the diet and the way that you live. You are an example for your children. You know, my dad was 54 when he passed away. He died from a heart attack. He didn't take care of his body. And I had some spies who told me that they found him at Burger King on the way home before he'd come have dinner with mom. And my mom was like, what? <laughs> but I watched you know, as, as he, you know, he struggled with his, with his health. So it's something I often think about. And I have a friend who, you know, he was worried about his kids and, and, and gaining weight. And so you know what he decided to do? He decided he's going to go to the gym. He's going to eat right. He's going to set an example. You are an example in what you're doing. And this is why Paul said, I can't, if unless I'm going dis, to discipline myself, I cannot lead people. It's hard to follow somebody if they lack self-control. That's what he's trying to say here. I don't want to become disqualified. I want to be a person who has discipline on the things that I eat. Now, back here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
He talked about food for the stomach and the stomach for food. But then he talked about sexual immorality. You know, the, uh, the Corinthians, when, when they said that all things are lawful for me, and what they're basically saying in that Corinthian culture was that having sex with people that you are not married to was just as common and normal as eating food. That's what they were saying. And, you know, you think about the sexualized society we're in today, and I'm telling you, the ancient world was just like that. They, they had all kinds of problems. You know, they, they, they were out, you know, sleep with anybody. It was all very normal. Scripture says that sex within the confines of marriage, after study, says that the, and it's a wonderful thing. And in fact, statistic after statistic, study after study says that the happiest people are married people who are monogamous. Living together, they, they have the happiest lives. Uh, you know, we are having a marriage conference come up here, and it would be a great thing for you to come with your spouse. Some people feel like, you know, I don't have a problem with marriage, so I you know, don't have to worry about it. But I go to marriage conferences, and I learn and read books about it because it's like maintaining the car, yeah. keeping the oil flowing and, and, and keeping it, you know, taken care of. And, and, and that's, that's why it's important because you want to have a good, healthy marriage. In, in the Corinthian church right here, they had all kinds of, you know, sexual problems taking place, which is so interesting to me because if you know Bible culture, you know, this was a very charismatic church. This church had all kinds of gifts of the Spirit operating. People literally were swinging from the chandeliers. That's what Paul is correcting them about. You know, you got to have a little bit of order in your services. They were jumping around. And, and, and it's so interesting, in that environment, there were still people who were very loose with themselves. And it's funny because I don't, I don't see a whole lot of difference today. I've had people who are, you know, operating in spiritual gifts and prophecy and, and, and run around and, and might even get frustrated because they feel like, oh, I don't see that the Spirit of God is moving enough in your church. All the while, they're living with people they're not married to and justifying promiscuity. And I'm telling you, brothers, that's how you get off. It, it is when you start, you know, living contrary to what Scripture says, but trying to engage in spiritual activities. And this is where the Corinthians found themselves at. Look at verse 18. He said, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. It would appear that sex is a unique class of sin because it's what creates a covenant union. That's what the previous verses are talking about. If you're joined to a harlot, you become one flesh with her. And what that is telling you is it becomes easier for demonic influences to harass your life. When, when, when that's taking place, it's like, it's like you got you know, demons that can harass and affect you. And so sex in the confines of marriage is a wonderful thing. I'm not going to have my appetite brought uh, and beholden under anything. Um, if you're struggling with food, I'll tell you one of the best ways to get through that appetite that's driving you is to fast. And fasting, I've discovered, is one of the least popular things that people can do. You know, uh, it's funny right now, we got the 21-day fast going on. Many people fast 21 days at the beginning of the year across America. A lot of my friends are doing it. I, I really don't do that here in January. I was down in Florida, and they were asking us about that when we fast, because I believe in fasting, and we have corporate fast, but I said, I don't do it in January because a lot of times it gets to be 10 below. And I don't know if you've ever tried to shovel the snow on chicken broth while you're fasting. And it's just not something I'm interested in doing. I like to fast when it's a little warmer. 
I have found that the older I get, the easier it is for me to fast. And it's no, no struggle, no challenge at all. I actually enjoy it. Fasting has tremendous health benefits. It detoxifies your body. It helps, it helps clean things out for you. And what's interesting is when you're fasting, you really do become more in tune with what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. With God, who He is, you can sense His presence. And it has tremendous lasting benefits. So uh, I, I do enjoy fasting. If maybe the sexual appetite is running wild, probably you're looking at pornography. I'm just telling you. That, that fuels that appetite, and you have to cut that out. I'm not going to have my appetites running wild. So the first statement that I want to make here about mastering my own body is that I am not going to have appetites that run wild. I will submit my appetites. Here's the second phrase, statement number two in verse 19. He said, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Read this. Uh, Who's in you, who's from God, and that you're not your own. For he said, you're bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, I have read this verse before, but the thought really never occurred to me uh, like this. That I actually serve God with my body. You, You know, we have a spirit, which it says belongs to God. The spirit of a man is the part that's been redeemed, bought by God. It's, it's that part of you that has communion with God and fellowships with Him. It's where you sense His presence. It's where He speaks to you. But, but we have a body, and that body is, is what we serve God with here in this life that we're living. you got one life. you got one body. you got to take care of it. Now, there's an interesting verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I think I, have it, I can put it up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 5.10. And the Bible says... And this is talking about when you come before the judgment seat to give an account, that you're going to receive rewards for the things that you have done in the body. Do you see that? For, for what has taken place in your body, the life that you live, you're going to be rewarded for what you've done, whether good or whether bad. In other words, you're not going to be rewarded or judged based upon thoughts that came to your mind. It will be upon the, the way that you lived, the way that you acted in life, your body. You know, I was, uh, I was laughing because I, um, I heard the story of a, of a guy. He didn't want to go to church one morning. And his mom came and knocked on the door. She said, it's time to get up and go to church. And he said, I don't want to go to church. She said, well, you got to go. He said, give me three reasons. She said, well, first of all, the Bible says you should not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's time to go to church. She said, secondly, uh, you're 42 years old, and it's time to go to church. And thirdly, you're the pastor of the church. So, so, you know, you have those moments sometimes where you don't feel like maybe going to church or turning your other cheek or loving people or, you know, doing godly behavior like tithing or praying for people because, you know, you're, you, you get frustrated with things and uh, you got to get your body lined up, the, the, the body. See, it, it tells us in Romans chapter 12, uh, he said that, that when your mind is renewed, your body will follow. And Paul said, I present my body a living sacrifice. So when you get your mind renewed and you act, that's why I come to church even sometimes when I don't feel like it. It's not just because I'm the pastor. It's because I have a renewed mind. And if I get my body following, I'm serving God with my body. He, he said in this verse uh, that you were bought at a price and that you should glorify God in your body. So you're honoring God. 
with this physical body that we live in. Um, that means my appetites are under control. We talked about that. One appetite I had to get under control was drinking, drinking booze, because it was too much fun. So I don't drink. I found out that if you don't drink, you can't get drunk. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we don't drink. We have, we have a controlled appetite. To serve God effectively, I have found that, that my body really needs to be in good condition. And, and that means that you need to do things like keep yourself active and exercise. At, at, for Christmas, I decided to get myself a membership at a gym. So I've been getting up at five in the morning and going for three-mile runs. And it's really the most incredible thing because it's never any fun. But, man, it has made me feel so much better. You know, I said this last week. I mentioned a study in the United Kingdom. I was looking this up. This, is, this was in, uh, I think, Reuters on the news. In the United Kingdom, they're telling uh, psychiatrists to no longer give antidepressants to mildly depressed men. Don't give antidepressants to mildly depressed men because they say that the problem can be solved with exercise. Exercise can really help that. I went through a period in the last couple years where I got really down, very depressed, and I'm convinced had I been exercising more, I think I would have weathered through that. What it is is endorphins and blood flow to your brain. You know, another crazy thing I read in the news, this is a real thing, that, that they say now as they study Alzheimer's, because it's like one of the big things in society, they think that they can help prevent Alzheimer's with a famous well-known drug called Viagra. That, what Viagra does is it gets blood flow to the brain, and that endorphin, that, that blood flow moving around, it has tremendous effects in people. See, when my wife was teasing me about it while I was going to the gym, she was quoting the Bible. She said, Paul said in, in 1 Timothy, bodily exercise profits little. And I was like, well, that's true. When he wrote that, though, they didn't have desk jobs like we do today. I mean, today in this culture, it's like we just sit at desks. And in Bible days, they walked to their jobs. They had to fix everything. Everything was work. Paul himself was a tent maker. They were much more active. In today's world, they say having a desk job is like smoking, though. I mean, it's that bad for you. I have an ergonomical desk, one that rises up. And I'm telling you, it helps me so much. I, I just enjoy not having to sit down all the time. When, to serve God effectively, I, I, I have to really be careful with my diet. I talked about it a little bit. And, and here's why. I have found that what I eat either helps or hinders me in, in like ministry or when I'm praying or preaching for people. So I've got these rules because on Friday... Or Saturday, I'm real selective about what I eat. This is what I found out. I found out that for spiritual gifts to operate, like if I feel like God has got a word for me or I have a burden or an impression, if I have eaten the wrong food, it's, it hinders that ability to hear from God. It hinders my spiritual sensitivity. It's amazing how we're wired, spirit, soul, and body, and we work together. And I'm just saying for me, what I have eaten can really affect how I might feel on a Sunday morning if I want to pray for people. I never even had this problem, though, until I was like 35. So it means I'm getting older. <laughs> I remember in high school, we could eat whatever we wanted and share with nobody and have no consequences. <laughs> but now we've gotten older. Yeah. I want to have longevity. And so I take care of my body. I, I, I want to be around. You know? And the older I get, the wiser I become and the grayer I become. But uh, the older I get, the more my walk with God flourishes. It grows. 
and I can know him more. And there's something wonderful about that. And I want longevity. I want to be there for my grandchildren. I want to leave a legacy. Now, has anyone ever heard of a man named Dr. Michael Brown? And, and he's a great theologian, charismatic theologian, tremendous man. He's on the news a lot. Now, Dr. Brown had a, a well-known preacher friend of mine come to his home. And Dr. Brown said, come on in. I want to show you my favorite room in the house. And my young preacher buddy, he was so excited. He wanted to go check out that library and see all the books that Dr. Brown had. And instead, he took him to his personal gym and said, if you want to be around, you had better get your body in shape, buddy. That's what he told him. It shocked the guy. I mean, it was, it was a lesson for him. Because you want to have a long, healthy life. And if you take care of your body, longevity will be there. So my, my thought on this is I serve God with my body. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to enjoy life, if you want to master, if you want to say, I'm going to be healthy and whole my days, take care of your body. Let me give you a third statement here, which is back in Proverbs chapter 23. Now, I read Proverbs 23. This is a verse that uh, I, I've, I've read through it. It sticks out to me, but I've never heard any teaching on it. Proverbs 23, look at verse 4. He said, do not overwork to be rich. He said, because of your own understanding, cease. So the third phrase that I want to highlight for your physique would have to do with, I need a Sabbath. I need a Sabbath rest. That's the third phrase. I need a Sabbath rest. Now, the verse doesn't use the word Sabbath. Your body, it is implied. And the idea is that you're going to have to rest your body at opportune moments. Um, some people get very legalistic about the Sabbath and the way they do it. I personally believe that Jesus is our Sabbath. That's pretty clear in Romans chapter or in Hebrews chapter four. It, it says there's a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So he he is our Sabbath. We're no longer working to try to earn our salvation. We can rest in His righteousness. And we don't have to, you know, strive after it. So he is our Sabbath rest, and we're under grace. But there's a principle which has to do with the way that you rest your body. And God established this all the way back in Genesis chapter 2, when he set up the Sabbath. And it's the idea that your body needs to take a break, and sometimes you need to be reminded, because sometimes people just work themselves so hard. Now, the Bible is a balanced book. We read a few months ago in 2 Thessalonians, and he said, if a man does not work, neither will he eat. And it feels like in this culture, people are getting lazier all the time. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and so we got some people who it's like, man, they don't know how to really work. On the other hand, particularly in America, you find a lot of people who are very prone to overworking themselves. And I meet people like that. And left to my own, I think I would be prone to be in that way. I have no problem working all the time. And it was like, I, I'm thank God for Elizabeth because she'll stop me and she'll say, you need to pace yourself and rest. You need to take a day off. I had a guy one time, he, he was working all the time. And I said, brother, do you think that you're a workaholic? And he said, you know, I hate it when people ask me that. Well, that's probably why they're asking you that, buddy. <laughs> I mean, because they're just consumed by it. So you need to take a Sabbath rest. There's certain moments when you got to know how to rest. Let me tell you what resting, why it's so healthy and healthy for your life. 
is because what resting does is it teaches us to trust God. Resting teaches trust. Uh, sometimes people feel like they have a sense of security around their job. The more they work, they feel like they got money coming in, and I know people, they just, they, they'll work all the time because it gives them security. But if you do that all the time, and as the verse says, you're overworking, you start becoming self-reliant in your own strength. Like, because I'm working hard, I'm going to take care of this. I can meet my own needs. And I'm just telling you, this is similar to tithing. It's when you put God very first in your life financially, he will bless the rest. And when you give God time for rest, he will see to it that you're taken care of. There's something about resting that teaches us to trust God, that it doesn't depend on me and my own strength and my own abilities. If I've done my best and I position myself and take rest when I need it, God will bless it. And, and I, I'm just, that, that, that's a place where sometimes you get frustrated when you get outside of that grace. You can feel frustration kicking in. Resting is one of those things that rejuvenates a person. It rejuvenates you. It's, it's like sleep at night. God programmed you to get sleep. You can only go so long without it. It's the same thing with rest. Now, I read a book by a man named Michael Hyatt, and it, the book was called Free to Focus. And what he was saying was that they can prove that past 50 hours in a week, a person really is not any more productive. Like once you hit a certain threshold at 50 hours, your productivity is, is you're not really gaining anymore. And so that 50 hours, 55 hours, that's like, the max productivity you can have. So I have seen that sometimes that rest that you might take is actually way more beneficial than if you just keep grinding and grinding and grinding. Now, I see this in Pastor Daniel's life. Where's Pastor Daniel? He might be out in the, in the foyer, so it's good we can talk about him if he's not here. But he, he like, he'll get in places where he needs a literal break for perhaps two days straight. I, I go all the time. I'm wired different, and sometimes that catches up to me. But in Daniel's case, I have noticed he will actually be much more productive if he has time off. He gets wore out from people. Some people are wired that way. So he's like, I need to get away. And when he does that, he'll come back, and he will be so much more productive afterwards. And it's all that rest principle. How you pace yourself is so critical. So resting, it's teaching us trust. It's rejuvenating us. But resting is also one of those things that requires that you pace yourself. Man, there is a certain pace that you got to run your race with. And when you get outside of that pace of grace, I'm telling you, you can get frustrated in life. Things, difficult things happen. I, I'm at the gym in the morning, and, you know, I, I'm running. And, and I started out, you know, I, I'm looking, and they got, like, girls that were next to me that were running way faster than me. And my frail male ego was offended by that. And then I found out the next day, the guy next to me who was 60 had a hip replacement and he was running faster than me. So I was like, I got to keep up with these people. And I'm maxing out my machine. And lo and behold, I popped my hamstring. I had never done that before. I never ran so fast. It was so embarrassing to have, you know, people run fast. You have to pace yourself. You have to keep your own pace in life. This is the same thing spiritually. I know people who are moving spiritually. I mean, they're growing. They're praying. They're fasting. They have no problem being alone with God. Their pace is just pushing it. And, and you got to run the race that God has for you. You can't run somebody else's race. That, that's got to be the race you run. Has anyone ever heard of the Iditarod, which is the sled dog race in Alaska? It's a thousand mile sled dog race. 
through the tundra. And they've had a guy, a family, the Seavey family. And what he had is a formula for been winning it every year, every other year since like 2011, 2012. And what he had is a formula for running the sled dogs. He said that when he's running the dogs, he races them 49% of the time and he rests the dogs 51% of the time. And you wouldn't think you could win a race run that way, but he has just a little bit more rest than he has pace and he's managed to win a string of Iditarod races doing that. There's something significant about being in pace. When I think about Jesus, he's probably the busiest man you ever met. I mean, he, he's moving, shaking, he's got disciples, and he's so busy, he had one of them stealing from him, he didn't even notice it. Jesus was a busy man, but he was never in a hurry. And Because you know what that means? It means he always has time for you. And even today, he's got time for you, and he's got time for me. Because he's, he's not overpaced, he's right there when you need him. And if you'll take the time to pace yourself and keep your body in rhythm, I'm telling you, you can meet with him. Now, one thing I'm looking forward to, Elizabeth and I, after the service today, we're getting ourselves up to Chico Hot Springs, and we're going to eat whatever we want. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> we're going to eat and enjoy ourselves. Now, let's talk about your body. I mean, it's January. This is the time when New Year's resolutions take place. Listen, we're spirit, soul, and body, and and. God has wired you to walk with him and know him in your spirit. And you all know that you process emotion and go through life, and that helps your mental health. We talked about that last week. But what about your body? I mean, you got to think about how you're running your race, where you're going in life. It, I want to ask the question, is your appetite under control? Do, do you have the ability to say no to certain foods or vices or things that pull at you? And if you feel like that's running wild and your flesh is out of hand, I would just recommend fasting. I'm telling you, fasting has tremendous benefits spiritually and hearing from God, but it produces the fruit of self-control. We live in a society that lacks self-control. If you've got a sexual appetite that you can't control, it's probably connected to porn use. and It's the same thing as fasting. You're going to have to starve that. That is the simplest way to get that appetite under control. Or we could talk about, you know, you're serving God with the body of flesh that we're in. Are, are you actually serving God in your body? Is, is it something that is like real to you or is it just an afterthought? Are you just going through the motions? Because this, this body of ours, the decisions that we make, that is where you're going to receive rewards in eternity. It's, it's the life that you live in the flesh. What decisions are you making? And I think the biggest question we have to ask ourselves is are you resting enough? Are you taking moments at the right time to rest yourself, get along with God? That's how he created you. That's how he designed you to be. It's a principle set up in God. It's all about pacing yourself in the right moments. I just want to, it was tough, man. Get their bodies in shape this year. That was my goal. I wanted to get myself, because I, I felt, it was tough, man. When I was not in shape, it's just hard to even bend over. <laughs> I'm so grateful that I have been able to get some exercise. I feel so much better. So I want to pray that over you. Lord, over the people of God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus for self-control, discipline, wisdom, and guides. I pray, Lord, that we would be in tune enough with our spirit and our, and our soul to know that we need to take care of our bodies. I pray, Lord, for people to have rest and peace. Pace themselves, take care of themselves, walk with you.
listen, th- this body is a big thing in the eyes of God. He's going to resurrect your body one day. I mean, it's your whole spirit, soul, body. The body of flesh that you have that makes funny noises and smells bad and annoys you and has got aches. There's a day coming, it's going to be resurrected in glory. I was thinking about the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, you know that when I go to Walmart, I always get like a receipt after I bought something, and sometimes in the way out, they want to check it. It's a proof of purchase. And the resurrection is really God's receipt of the proof of, of Jesus' death. His resurrection is the proof. It's a receipt. And one day, you're going to have a resurrected body. You know, it's not just Christians who have a resurrected body. Scripture teaches everybody will have a resurrected body. If you, if you didn't know the Lord and you didn't serve Him, you're going to appear before what's called the great white throne judgment seat and give an account. And I'm telling you, you don't want to end up at that seat. That you, you don't want to be in a place where you have to give an account and have no idea what you're doing there. And this body of yours, that's why you've got to take care of it. It's a temple. And so this morning, if you're not walking with God, if you're not right with Him, if you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, if you don't have the proof of the receipt in your hand, I want to just take a moment and pray with you so you know the Lord, you can walk with Him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you want to rededicate your life, you don't know about the resurrection before the Lord, I, I want to just pray with you. I want to pray because one day you're going to give an account and stand before the Lord. In the name of Jesus. All right. All right. Amen. Let me just tell you one last thing here. I was, uh, I was really praying that we would have no COVID deaths in our church congregation this last year. I had a good friend pass away this last week from COVID. And we had people who were sick, but by the grace of God, I thank God that no one died from COVID, even though a number of us had gotten it. And to me, that just is evidence of God's healing nature. Now, this morning, maybe you've got some pain or your body needs healing in some way. And we believe in the healing virtue of the Lord. I, I, I really love divine health. If you take care of yourself, God will bless you. But he also can heal you if you're sick. And so we've got a ministry team, and I just want to ask them to come down. And if there's anything in your life you want prayer for, anything in your body specifically, any pains, uh, hurts, anything you're going through, we want to pray with you because we believe that God can heal a person's body. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up, and uh, I'll invite the team down here to come pray for people if you have some kind of thing you're going through. But I do feel like God wants to heal people today. Amen? Can we just take a moment? Just say, Lord, we, we want to have bodies that are whole and healthy. And I'm just praying right now. Or whatever area of our bodies, maybe sick or may, maybe in pain, I would just pray over this church, complete healing in the name of Jesus. Thank you for it. Amen. Hey, listen, we're kicking off uh, Legacy on Wednesday night. We'd love to have you come join us down here. And uh, we'll be a great time with everybody. So God bless you. We will see you all next week. If you need prayer for something, we're here. If you got anything in your body at all you want prayer for, we're here for you. Amen. Love you all very much.